Thank you for listening to the Coal Mind Podcast. This is David Cole from Dallas, Texas, and it's September 6, 2020, Labor Day weekend. This week, I invite you to drive with me down Interstate 35 in Austin and enjoy the scenery, and in particular, the large billboard signs by the side of the road, and among them, the newest high-tech signs with digital changing displays. A recent Fifth Circuit case about those digital billboards tells us a lot about what the First Amendment means in our mobile society, where even with the COVID-19 pandemic, we engage with some kind of sign almost every time we get in our cars. Austin, Texas, the capital of the state of Texas and the home of the University of Texas at Austin, it could once perhaps have been called a sleepy college town, but no longer the city population recently passed a million, and the website for the Reagan Outdoor Advertising Company reminds us just how mobile that growing population is. The website says, specifically, the Austin metropolitan area ranks 38th in the United States in population, but is 6th in the number of miles and 7th in the amount of time our residents spend on the road each day, making outdoor one of the most effective mediums to reach this region. If you've been to Austin lately, you know that the Reagan Advertising Company has that right. Just like Dallas and Houston, Austin has exploded out from an old city center along the paths made by the major freeways, I-35 in particular, and in the north, 183, in the south, Highway 290. And the, this Reagan Advertising website uh, confirms what you already knew, even though you may not have thought about it much. There are lots of very large billboards along those freeways. The company website has a Google Maps link with the exact location of the hundreds of signs it operates in the Austin area, and you can uh, arrange with them to put space for whatever product or service you may wish to advertise to passersby. As with many such phenomena, though, there's a conflict lurking below the surface. Sign companies like what Reagan Advertising want to have lots of signs with very visible messages. That's how they make their money. But on the other hand, you heard the song at the beginning of this episode that was sad about signs, blocking out the scenery, breaking my mind. There's nothing subtle about these signs. They have to be huge to be seen by the large crowds driving by so quickly on the interstate. They involve sophisticated real estate and security and construction, legal and technical issues. And the city of Austin, understandably, sought to regulate the signs, to maintain them, allow them to advertise the goods and services of the company's clients, but to rein in their appearance to where they don't just overwhelm the look and feel of the city. Here, a pause to take a look at what the controlling legal principles are for this kind of action that the city of Austin took. The First Amendment prohibits laws abridging the freedom of speech. There are two principles in the cases that flow from that language in the text of the amendment. One line of authority holds that government and here I quote a Supreme Court case, has no power to restrict expression because of its message, its ideas, its subject matter, or its content. The Supreme Court calls that kind of restriction a content-based restriction. It's defined as a restriction that targets speech based on its communicative content. And then, as a matter of legal analysis of such a law, the court finds them presumptively unconstitutional and allows them to, to be justified, allows them to remain in law and not be struck down, only if the government proves that they are, again, a quote, narrowly tailored to serve compelling state interests. An example would be the laws we have on the books in every state against fraud. 
there, that is a restriction of the content of the speech, but you have a compelling interest in preventing people from ripping one another off. If you draft the statute where it's reasonably clear what you're trying to get at, that will be a permissible exercise of the power to regulate content. The other line of cases uh, draws upon the government's police power that I've talked about in other podcast episodes and the fact that the text of the First Amendment is limited to speech and speech alone in this particular provision of the First Amendment's protections. This allows what are called time, place, or manner restrictions. That kind of restriction is allowed, and here again the Supreme Court, so long as it is justified without reference to the content of the regulated speech. It's the first of the three relevant criteria. The second is that they are narrowly tailored to serve a significant governmental interest. And then finally, that they leave open ample alternative channels for communication of the information. Here again an example. Uh, Consider a city that owns a band shell. Uh, The city uh, can restrict the use of uh, can, when it is being used, can limit it to, to daytime as opposed to nighttime. That is a time restriction. It can restrict what parts of the band shell can be used for performance, the place, keep the, audio, the performers up on the stage and not wandering about in areas that aren't equipped to handle that kind of thing. And it can put a decibel limit on performance, manner. Mindful of these concerns, the city of Austin had drafted here what it hoped would be seen as a more limited ordinance. I'm generalizing a little bit, but the practical effect of what the city ultimately enacted was to stop the digital modernization of a large number of signs. Signs were allowed to remain in place. It didn't purport to be a ban on all signs, uh, but it did try to restrict their modernization to the new, flashier, catchier digital format. And that, of course, is economically very much in the interest of the advertising companies to have that modernization because then they're able to serve more customers at the same time and in a flashier way that gets people literally more bang for their buck, that's uh, more easily noticed by passersby. So the ordinance allowed for what were called on-premises signs, a sign that says something like, here is my sandwich shop, and then the sign is actually located on the real estate that holds that shop. But it did not allow modernization for what is called, what it called an off-premise sign. And that's clearly a lot of what companies like Reagan rent to their customers. They have a sign up by the billboard. It says, in five miles, you'll come to such and such a gas station. You may want to stop there. Uh, that's what they're most interested in trying to advertise because that's a very natural audience for people that are driving along freeways from one city to another. The result then, instead of a well-crafted compromise, was honestly a perfect storm of content regulations and the laws and principles about that, and it led to litigation. The plaintiff was Reagan, who I've been talking about during the course of this episode, and another Austin area company also in the sign business. They sued the city to stop the enforcement of the new law. What's the test? I talked about the two principles. Content-based is discouraged. Time, place, and manner is uh, allowed more readily. A case from the U.S. Supreme Court in 2015, Reed v. Town of Gilbert, talked about how those two principles intersect specifically in the area of signs. The sign code at issue in that case made the Austin ordinance look quite simple. It had Uh, different categories, temporary directional signs, political signs, and ideological signs, the different rules for each kind of sign. Uh, The Supreme Court said, though, that these restrictions, and here's its language, apply to any given sign depending entirely on the communicative content of the sign. 
goes on to give an example, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but to make the point, if a sign informs its reader of the time and place a book club will discuss John Locke's two treatises of government, that sign will be treated differently from a sign expressing the view that one should vote for one of Locke's followers in an upcoming election, and both signs will be treated differently from a sign expressing an ideological view rooted in Locke's theory of government. Of course, the Supreme Court's test is not one about John Locke's treatises. The question that the Supreme Court says should be answered when you have this kind of uh, law that's part content, part time, place, and manner is, do you have to look at the substance of the sign's message to figure out whether or not the ordinance applies? If you do, then that puts it in the category of content-based speech, and it faces the highest standard of scrutiny that the court uses in constitutional analysis of such matters. The lawsuit progresses. The district court, uh, trial court in Austin ruled for the city of Austin. It was appealed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. I've described that in previous podcasts, the Federal Court of Appeals for Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. It conducts its work in three-judge panels. Here, the court elected to have an oral argument where the lawyers for the different sides came in uh, and addressed different questions that the panel had about the arguments that they were presenting to the court in their written submissions and there in the court proceeding. The argument proceeded in, in the key part of it with a series of questions by the panel to the lawyer representing the city of Austin about the hypothetical situations in which the statute and the ordinance might come into play. First example. Could Sally have a digital sign in her front yard that says, Sally makes quilts here and sells them at 3200 Main Street? It's a difficult question. You have one communication on the sign, but the activity is both on and off premise, so different aspects of the communication are both in and out of the regulation. Hard question to answer. Council had some difficulty uh, engaging it fully. It's, it's hard to do on the spot. Uh, and that led to a follow-up question. Could the local school have an electronic message board that rotated between messages that said, Final Star Tuesday, and eat at the Main Street Cafe on Friday to support the boosters. Hypotheticals got a little more complicated. Now you have two distinct communications, but they're on the same sign. So you have the same premises. We have different things being discussed involving those premises. And that, of course, is the very issue presented by digital signs. They have multiple messages and they scroll through them over a period of time so more people can see them. And that led to the final question, which is a little bit tongue in cheek, but also gets to the heart of the question about how to apply the First Amendment to this kind of uh, complex regulation. The question was, how could one determine whether a digital billboard that says God loves you is on-premises or off-premises? An unanswerable question, but in trying to reason through it, it's unavoidable. To figure out whether or not Austin's ordinance applies to this sign, that sign, somebody else's sign, you have to look at what's being said on the sign and compare it to the world around that sign to see if it is on or off-premises. That, under the Supreme Court's Gilbert case, makes it about content. That brought strict scrutiny to bear. And as is often the case in this uh, kind of dispute, once strict scrutiny is employed, the law does not withstand it. And it is invalidated, and the city of Austin has to start over again. So some other balance may be struck someday. There may be a compromise reached that everyone can live with. But for now, this particular solution, by trying a little bit to please everyone, ended up ultimately not pleasing anyone because it didn't satisfy the most basic requirement of complying with the demands of the Constitution. Mm -hmm.
Today on Coal Mind, we drove down Interstate 35 in Austin and we looked at the billboard signs by the side of the road. We looked at where they were, we looked at how they're built, what they advertise, and the ground where they are placed, what the relationship was between the message on the signs, the businesses on the ground, the regulations the city of Austin has placed on them, and the centuries-old requirement of the First Amendment that government not place restrictions on freedom of expression. In this case, ultimately, the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit found that, while well-intentioned, the Austin Ordinance was a restriction on the content of speech and thus triggered the highest level of scrutiny that it will give to a state law under the Constitution. You can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, and the other main directories. I want to thank Barry Pound of Andrevet Legal Media and Marketing in Dallas for suggesting the idea for this episode. And I want to acknowledge my college classmate Sarah Alcorn and her podcast, The Ivy League Murders, for giving me a number of good ideas about how to put better podcast episodes together. I appreciate all of you listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon. 